It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app today on your mobile device and join me next week as we chat about this Reds team on the Locker Room app. They're changing the way that we talk sports. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. We're talking all things Reds because I've been addicted to the Reds for like my entire life, and I've turned that addiction into information for you. Today, we're going to wrap up the series finale about the Reds and the Brewers. We'll move toward looking at the Rockies and... We'll do a segment of Jeff's Junk Mail as well. Before we get into all of that, though, make sure that you're following the podcast on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, so the finale, I I got the chance to go down to the ballpark. Little bit of a wet day, kind of. Got rained on a little bit there, but got the chance to be back at the ballpark for the first time. Well, okay, I was about to say for the first time since they opened up capacity, but I know that it's really not been that long since they've opened up to full capacity, so I feel very fortunate. But it was a good time at the ballpark, got some good food. I'm calling this the Get a Burger game. Because I never heard of the Get a Burger before that. I, I don't know how I missed it. I always try to keep up on all the good ballpark foods, but they slid it in. It's actually at a stand. It's at the stand where you get the helmet nachos. So really, unless you're looking for helmet nachos, you're not going to find the Get a Burger, which makes lots of sense, I guess. But the Get a Burger, fantastic. You should check it out next time you go. To Great American Ballpark. It's only eight bucks too. Like a brat is seven fifty and get a burger is eight dollars. So there you go. You're welcome. It's cheap, it's good, and it's tasty. But beyond that, the game itself wasn't so great. I mean, Joey Votto did go yard. Joseph Daniel Votto returns to form. We saw that long ball. That was good to see. 
and Luis Castillo really pitched good. Even after the inherited runners that he left on base came around to score, he still only gave up three runs. Now he did only pitch five and two-thirds. A little bit of a caveat there. There was a small break for a rain delay between the fourth and fifth innings. I was kind of, I was happy slash surprised that David Bell brought him back out in the fifth, but then again, kind of goes back to happy slash surprise that Vladimir Gutierrez was given a chance to pitch the seventh two nights ago, and that's because the bullpen's terrible. And guess what happened? The bullpen was terrible, and it lost the game again. I really don't know where you go with this, and, and it's a bummer because friend of the show, Lucas Sims, didn't have his best stuff and because of that, the Brewers took the lead, but the game was still well in hand. It's just the bats couldn't get anything going. Shout out to the Brewers bullpen because look, we always talk about Josh Hader and Devin Williams as two guys that you don't want to see. We didn't see them the last two games of this series, and the Brewers bullpen was still phenomenal. Brent Suter just shut down the Reds. I mean, he did give up the homer to Joey, but largely shut them down for multiple innings. And then you had guys like Hobie Milner. Anybody named Hobie out there? That's a hell of a name. Hobie Milner shuts him down. You've got Trevor Richards, who was a cast-off. He, he pitched for the Marlins for a year, pitched for the Rays for a year, and his stats don't look fantastic this season, but he pitched pretty well yesterday. And just overall, the Brewers showed why they have the best pitching in the NL Central because they were able to shut down the Reds. And don't get me wrong, the score looked very nasty, but I felt like the game was a lot closer than that until David Bell decided to bring in the unit of the bullpen that he pitches whenever the Reds aren't ahead. I know that all managers do this. I know that it is probably in the manager handbook somewhere, that if you are behind, you do not pitch your aces of the bullpen. You don't, you don't throw your best stuff. I don't know why that is. They were only down by two. If you give Sims a little bit more time, now maybe he didn't trust Sims' stuff. I get that. But if you give him a little bit more time, and then maybe piggyback Antone, who hadn't pitched in a couple of days, maybe you keep it within two. And maybe it's a different, I I don't know. There's a lot of maybes and what ifs that don't really correlate to any sort of reality. But bringing in Sean Doolittle, I I, I don't know where to go with Sean Doolittle. He seems like a dude that I really, really want to succeed. I really want him to be a good pitcher out of the bullpen for the Reds, but he's just not. He relies so heavily on that four-seam fastball that is so much slower than it was whenever he was in his heyday, but he still pitches it like he thinks he's in his heyday, and he gets rocked because of it. Lots of hard contact. You saw that. Dan Vogelbach just absolutely put the game on ice with that home run that barely cleared the wall. It really looked like Nick Castellanos had a shot to catch that, but he was just about a foot off, maybe a foot to the left of where the ball fell into the stands. But overall, just uh, you, you saw the weakness of the bullpen, which is, I mean, it's usually anybody but Sims and Antone, but if Sims or Antone are off, you really start searching for who is going to finish the game for this Reds team. It's almost as if you're playing like a like a board game or, or some kind of like 
strategy video game or something like that, and you have to play the card of the Reds' bullpen, and the immediate effect of playing that card is you immediately take damage. I mean, we should almost start the inning with two runners on base every time they bring in a new bullpen guy. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you fix it either because it is systematic. If, if they had better guys in the system, well, I should hope that they'd be up. But they just kind of keep rotating guys to figure out what they got. Ashton Goudeau didn't allow any runs. He sure allowed, you know, base runners, but he didn't allow any runs. So that was something, I guess. But overall, we the Getaburger was good. That's, that's really what I'm taking away from yesterday's game because now I, I have a good feeling about this weekend. I'm going to tell you what that feeling is here in just a minute. But before we get into that, I wanted to let you know if you guys haven't checked it out, you need to check out Sports Trade. Go to sportstrade.com. Watch the How It Works video to kind of get a lay of the land because this is a pretty cool concept. They take fantasy sports and they combine it with the stock market. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. It's a fair and super exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with sports trade is simple. Player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their performance in each game compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher the player value goes. Two, Good old supply and demand. The more shares that are purchased in a player, the higher their value goes. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com and sign up today. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So the reason that I don't get too down over that loss to the Brewers and the series loss as a whole is because of who is coming into town this weekend. We are talking about the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies have been pretty decent at home whenever you break it down. I mean, they've actually got an above 500 record when they play at Coors Field. They just love them some home cooking. Here's the thing, though, and what is making them the second-worst team in the NL West? They hate playing anywhere else but Coors. In fact, when you break down their statistics, home versus road games, they are 20-14 and 14 at home with 196 runs scored compared to 167 runs allowed. Very nice there. Almost a 30-run differential, plus 30. On the road, they're 5-24. and 24. They have 73 runs scored to 151 runs allowed. 
this is a chance for the Reds to make some hay. And I know because I've heard some other folks already give me this rebuttal. You're going to immediately say, but Jeff, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. Currently, the Reds represent 25% of the total wins for the Arizona Diamondbacks this season. They've beaten the Reds five times. They've beaten any other team only 15 times. That's what a, what a weird stat that is. But with the Rockies coming to town, the run differential is so huge, in my opinion, when you look at that. I, I'm looking at a chance for some pitchers to get some confidence going. Tyler Malley going today against Kyle Freeland. And I'm also looking for some uh, bats to get right. Look, this is the expectation. I'm expecting them to win this series because if we're sitting here on Monday talking about a losing series against Colorado in Great American Ballpark, after losing a series to the Brewers in Great American Ballpark, then we will have reset all momentum and all good vibes from before they swept the Cardinals in four games. Remember how high we were feeling? Remember how good we felt this past Monday? Well, right now it kind of hangs in the balance based on what goes on this weekend. However, I do not believe it is going to be bad because I look at who the Reds are facing, who the lineup is saying, the, the trouble yesterday and the trouble in the two games that they lost against the Brewers was the pitching. The Brewers pitching is phenomenal this year. Whether you're talking about starters or relievers, they're awesome. When you look at the Rockies, it is a complete 180. Other end of the spectrum, the Reds are going to go up against Kyle Freeland on Friday night, who has pitched 13 innings and has allowed nine earned runs on two homers, 19 hits, and eight walks. He's allowed a whole bunch of base runners. He only has seven strikeouts compared to eight walks. This is not a guy that if, we, that if he comes in and pitches really well, we tip the hat to the pitcher. I mean, maybe he has a good day. He's a professional pitcher for a reason, but this is a guy that the Reds should kill. I firmly believe that. And when you look at their bullpen, the two best guys, and we're going to talk a little bit more about these guys here later on, but the two best dudes are Michael Givens and Daniel Bard. Givens has pitched 21 and two-thirds innings. He has 23 strikeouts compared to 11 walks, so he still has a decent amount of walks and 17 hits allowed, but he's only allowed seven earned runs. He has allowed four homers, though. Then you look at Daniel Bard in 25 innings pitched. He has 35 strikeouts compared to 11 walks and a FIP of 2.95. It's actually a lot better than Michael Gibbons. Michael Gibbons' FIP is 5.23. But really, those are the only two guys. If this sounds familiar, stop me. Those are the only two guys that I think the Rockies trust. Because everybody else in this, they have a guy, Yincy Elmonte has thrown 17 in a third innings. He has given up 24 earned runs. What? Yes, 24. He's given up seven more earned runs than innings pitched. This is a time for the Reds to make some hay. This is a time for guys like A. Eugenio Suarez to really start getting out of that slump. And I know we keep saying that, and it seems like his average has ticked up ever so slightly. But by ticking up, we mean it went from 150 to 160. 
Love to see him get above the Mendoza line here pretty soon because this 160 is just bumming me out, man. But hopefully he can take advantage of bad pitching this weekend. Hopefully we can continue to see dominance from Castellanos and Winker. I mean, both dudes still have OPSs over 1,000. You still got Nick Castellanos leading the world in batting average. And Castellanos had another great day yesterday. Just laser shots worth of hits. I, I, I love watching him play. Really hope there's some way they can like keep him. But you know, if he continues to play this way, you don't even have to have Scott Boris as an agent to tell you, hey, dude, you can probably make more money in the free agent market if you opt out this year. Just saying. But this is the weekend for any of the Reds' bats to make some hay. And now Saturday, they do get Herman Marquez, who, talent-wise, I think is probably the Rockies' best pitcher. And then you've got Antonio Senzatella on Sunday, who we all remember well enough that in Colorado, Senzatella actually pitched pretty good against the Reds. But overall, I'm looking at this as a series where the Reds need to make some hay because, and as fans, we can do this. I definitely don't want the players doing this, but as fans, we can look ahead and see, got some tough road ahead. Got some tough series against some good teams coming up. So if you come out of this Rockies series behind the eight ball still, that eight ball might get a little bit bigger. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens whenever they go up against these teams. They've got Milwaukee again. They've got San Diego. They got Minnesota, who Minnesota's pretty bad, but they got Chicago. They got San Diego again. They got Milwaukee again. They're going to be busy with with Chicago and Milwaukee. About combine that Shilwaukee. Maybe we should do that Shilwaukee. Whatever, whatever. But they they really have a tough stretch coming up. So this is the weekend that they've got to make some hay. Hopefully they can do that. Starting tonight with Tyler Malley on the hill against. Kyle Freeland, which you don't even have to look that hard to know that that is a advantage on paper to the Reds. Hopefully Tyler Malley can get it done. All right, we've got some Jeff's junk mail to get to here in this next segment. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same feeling and the same buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. Fully Loaded Chew tastes and feels just like traditional smokeless products, which made it an easy transition away from traditional tobacco smokeless products. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry, white pouches. Nothing feels like Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Reds listeners a special offer. Right now, you can try it for just $1. That's right, only a dollar. Go to FullyLoadedChew.com and use promo code Locked On. Just $1 and free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at FullyLoadedChew.com. And I've told you guys so much about Built Bar, you probably already know. If you haven't had a chance to try it, though, 
Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Built Bar has nine amazing staple flavors. They got my favorite, Cherry Barcia. You take a bite, you get that cherry flavor right away. You get the 100% real chocolate as well because every single Built Bar has 100% real chocolate right all over the place. It's amazing. It tastes great and you're going to think you're eating a candy bar, but it's got the health statistics of a protein bar. Most bars have 17 grams of protein. Some even go up to 18 grams, and they are all very low in sugar, carbs, and fat. Check them out today at BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order because Built Bar is amazingly delicious and specifically nutritious. That's BuiltBar.com and the promo code Locked 15. For our last segment here of the Locked on Reds podcast on this Friday, I wanted to jump into some Jeff's Junk Man. We're going to start with Kyle from Southwest Ohio. He says, it's ironic that the Rockies are coming into town this weekend because they have at least three guys that I'm interested in the Reds trying to go get. The obvious one is Trevor Story, but the other two are Daniel Bard and Michael Givens. Your thoughts? So obviously Trevor's story is a guy that moves the needle for most Reds fans in some way, shape, or form. A lot of guys like to argue about whether it be worth it or something like that. But when you're looking at Michael Givens and Daniel Bard, both are over the age of 30. So they're not guys who you're talking about years of control. You're not talking about a ceiling potential that has yet to be reached. Both guys kind of are what they are. The peripherals on Daniel Bard are interesting because he's got a good K rate, doesn't have that great a walk rate. He's got a decent whiff rate, and the spin rate for his fastball is through the roof. Dan, I mean, Daniel Bard would be perfect for Derek Johnson because the spin rate is at the 100 percentile. Like, that's amazing. His fastball velocity, way up there as well. So that's good to see. The thing with him, though, is he kind of gets hit pretty hard. In fact, his hard hit percentage this season is 42.4%. League average is a lot lower than that. League average is like 35%. He's had a resurgence in his career. I'm, I'm guessing the spin rate has something to do with that because he was actually on the radar. He pitched for the Boston Red Sox from 2009 through like two appearances in 2013. And then he didn't pitch again until last year. So he's he's been working on a lot of stuff. Like I said, he's 35 years old. So he'd be kind of a stopgap sort of dude. And what do I always say? That relief pitching is a fickle thing. But I don't know exactly what the Rockies would be asking for them because it kind of is considered as their closer. I know that that's not saying a whole lot. He's got eight saves. So that's something. But on the uh, other hand of this equation is what will it cost to get him? Because he's not a guy I feel like the Reds should pay very much for. Then I look at Michael Givens, and I'm kind of getting the same feeling. Both these guys don't have that great uh, peripheral stats, although I will say that Michael Givens has been a lot better at limiting hard hit contact, and his average exit velocity is much better than league average because of it. But Michael Givens walks a lot of guys. His walk rate is 12.1%. 
and his strikeout rate is only 25%, so you don't have that big a gap there. You want to see a lot bigger gap. That's why even though his ERA currently sets at 2.91, which everyone looks at and says, ooh. But again, I always say, be cautious when you judge a reliever based on his ERA. His expected ERA is 4.53. Now, don't get me wrong. That's still a lot better than some of the guys that we've been running out here in the bullpen in Cincinnati, but what will it cost? Hopefully these are guys that you wouldn't have to give up too much for. Maybe a low-level minor leaguer, not even really somebody on a top prospect list, hopefully, because these are the type of dudes that get traded at the deadline. In fact, case in point, in 2020, he was traded from the Orioles to the Rockies for a player to be named later, Taryn Vavra, who was a minor leaguer, and Tyler Nevin. So he was traded for three guys, none of which are of super consequence or anything like that. That's kind of the deal I would be hoping if the Reds traded for Michael Givens or a guy like Michael Givens, that that's what they would get. Both guys have a couple of pitches in their quiver when it comes to what they can use. Daniel Bard has a four-seamer, a slider, a changeup, and a sinker, but he really doesn't throw the changeup and the sinker all that much. In fact, he's thrown the four-seamer 43% of the time, the slider 42% of the time, which doesn't leave a whole lot in between for the changeup and sinker. Both those pitches combined, he's only thrown 13% of the time this season. So yeah, he's got four pitches, but he really only used two of them. And then Michael Givens, you look at him, he's more of a three-pitch guy because he actually throws his slider at almost 15% of the time, but he's mostly fastball changeup. So, I, I, I mean... At this point, we're we're to the point where if the Reds can get bullpen help, I'm all for it. I just hope it doesn't cost a whole lot. And Daniel Bard and Michael Givens should be on that list. I don't know that they necessarily make me super excited, but they would definitely be better than a lot of the guys that we've been running out there, <coughs> CNL Perez. And kind of piggybacking off of Kyle's question, thanks for the question, Kyle, though, by the way, that was... That was good stuff. Chad Lancaster asks, will the 2021 Reds bullpen be the least remembered bullpen in Reds history? I feel like they're on pace to have the most relievers ever in a season. Do you think the new trend will be picking up lots of mediocre, cheap relievers and then hoping one or two of them succeed and just dumping the rest? Honestly, Chad, I think that's what Bob Castellini is hoping works. I don't necessarily think it's going to work. And I really hope that they don't like make this a thing. I hope that this is just a, you know what? We were trying our darndest to just cheapen out and save as much money as possible in 2021. We realized that was a bad idea and they snapped too into reality. However, it just always seems like reality is, you know, the reds not spending money. I I, I don't necessarily know uh, that this is going to be any kind of trend. I hope it's not. But when we talk about this bullpen moving forward, like years from now, I am going to think back on this bullpen and there's going to be a lot of trivia questions about it. There's going to be like, remember this guy? Like our buddy Ken at Obscure X Reds on Twitter is going to have a field day with some of these guys. Some some of the pitchers that have been run out there, like I, I just, I don't know that I see them pitching a whole bunch elsewhere. 
And one last one before we wrap things up this week on the Locked On Reds podcast. This one is from Avi. They say, instead of making moves for players, the Reds have tried selling us on the magic of Derek Johnson. Bengals have largely done the same with the addition of Frank Pollock as a line coach. I can't wait for Cincy to be relevant on a national stage. This feels like a dream, unfortunately. What are your thoughts? Well, I tell you what, Avi, I appreciate the question. Uh, it's something that I've always wondered, uh, something that I've thought over the past couple of years with the Reds in particular. Obviously, the Bengals were more back in 2013, 2014, 2015. But with the Reds, I thought they were coming into national relevance. But my thought about Derek Johnson and kind of, you know, reaching for Frank Pollock, but I'm not going to go into the football side of things. I know that James and Jake are doing a great job of Lockdown Bengals talking about all that. But when it comes to Derek Johnson and when it comes to baseball and really, in most cases, professional sports, it's a player-driven league. Like, I, I know that we love to harp on David Bell, and we love to just nitpick at every little thing that he does and say, oh, well, this is how David Bell lost the game for them. This is how David Bell messed up that game for them and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, there's a point where the player has to produce. There's a point where when David Bell calls a guy's number, that dude has to go out and perform. There's not a point where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to blame David Bell for bringing in Lucas Sims in that situation. He's the best. He's one of the two best relievers on this roster. You know, maybe you could, you know, split hairs here with whether it should have been Sims or Antone. But at the same time, I, I look at this and I say, he called on his dude. He expected his dude to do what he does and do what he's done. And he just didn't get it done. Sometimes you got to point it back at the player. And when it comes to Derek Johnson and when it comes to Frank Pollock or any coach on any team that is supposed to be some sort of savant, some guy that is supposed to have it all figured out and is going to bring this magical new system to a team, it all depends on what the players do with that system. Because he can coach his butt off. He can come up with the best scheme possible. David Bell could figure out all the best shifts and just manage his butt off, which he tries to with all those double shifts. But at the end of the day, the guy that he puts in that position has to succeed. Because if they don't catch the ball, the guy ain't out. And if they don't hit the ball, they ain't going to score any runs. And things like that. So... While I love to think that coaches are going to be the guys that bring Cincinnati sports into relevance, it's when the owners buckle down and pay the players to win baseball games or football games or whatever games. That's what it boils down to. And that's how we're going to end it. Thanks so much for listening to today's Locked on Reds podcast. I appreciate your download. Make sure that you're following the podcast. That way you get it each and every day into your feed. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked on Reds. But that'll do it for us here today. Thanks again. Now, check out the Locked on Today podcast as Peter Bukowski has you covered in all the sports world in under 20 minutes or less. Check him out today wherever you get your podcast, but that'll do it. I'll talk to each and every one of you on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.